One. Live from Gutter Cat Studios in the Metaverse, it's time for another episode of the Crazy About Crypto Show. And now here's your host, Crazy Carl. Hey, yo, what is going on? Thanks for coming to the show. This space is already popping. If you're listening to the podcast, hello from all around the world and welcome to the Crazy About Crypto Show, an interactive live podcast on Twitter spaces for anyone exploring crypto and wanting to learn from others that have already dived into the space. From NFT artists to savvy crypto investors to everyday people just like you and I, this is a place where we can come together and learn about this new wave of innovation. Today, I'm honored to have an incredibly talented and well-known digital artist join the show. Starting his creative journey in 2007, this graphic and motion designer made a name for himself prior to even entering the NFT space. He has worked on cover art for well-known labels, including his work truly in street culture and humor with brash, saturated colors and truly encaptures the viewer. His Web3 journey is already off to a hot start through the development and creation of his now well-known Evol character. And with over 250 ETH in primary sales alone, his Web2 identity has already had a very successful evolution onto the blockchain and the Web3 space. It's my honor to share the stage with the one and only legendary Kid8. What is going on, man? Thanks for stopping by the show. Let's go, bro. That sounds so, so sick. Thank you for introducing me so well. I was thinking, who is this guy? This guy sounds sick. <laughs> oh, this is you, man. This is this is Kid Eight. You've you've really uh, you've been at it for a long time. And something that's always fascinating when doing this show is we have people that have kind of are new to the space. They enter. They're like, how do these people? You know, how do they like get successful so fast? And it's like, well, they've been creating for years and years. It's not like they just showed up out of nowhere. And so uh, I'd love for you to kind of go back and talk a little bit about your journey. Um, obviously, you you were very successful prior to entering. The nft and web3 space but how did you hear about the space what kind of got you interested and then uh what made you kind of go down the rabbit hole of of web3 and nfts okay cool yeah so it's funny you say um that was, i've been successful in a short time because i remember when i joined the nft space like maybe february last year i felt like i was already behind everyone else so the initial like nifty gateway bubble was coming to an end and like i had friends like um bill ellis and I knew people like Fuckerender and Too Much Lag and all these people have come out and done drops on Nifty and they're just blown up. And like during that time, I'm trying to apply to Nifty, I'm trying to apply to Super Rare, Known Origin, all these like gated platforms. And I just couldn't get on anywhere because my history of like being a freelance designer in the music industry didn't translate over into like, let's, let's say air quote, fine digital art because I'd never really had time to find my own voice um as far as being a digital artist because i'd always been like a hired gun so you would have if anyone's ever downloaded a mixtape or um potentially bought one of the album covers i've done in the last 15 years you won't have even really known um i've done it unless it was like very early on and it was like um when i had this weird oversaturated like sort of fruity colors and stuff when i was doing mixtapes for um DJ drama and gangster girls and stuff like that. So it's it's funny that people see me as a, as a success in the scene because I don't consider myself there yet. But I just know what I've built so far in the short time I have. It's only a matter of time, and if I keep building and keep building, it's just going to become undeniable. You know, it is it is fascinating that you t- kind of talk about that because the beauty of Web three and the beauty of the blockchain is the the fact that it ideally is super decentralized. But uh, because of everything that's been built on the blockchain, there's a lot of gatekeeping that already happens. And you kind of talked about it. Even you know, there's certain there's there's curated sites that obviously it's hard to kind of uh, break through the noise. So some of these curated sites people go to because they trust those sources. They trust those uh, curators to kind of put out the the top of the line art, but in, in the same in the same line of work, it, it like kind of presses against like this whole notion of Web three and uh, how it, it should be accessible to everyone and anyone, and kind of uh, for people that are new to the scene, like it difficult for them to kind of break through that noise. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about you know when you when you learned about the space and then had to go through all those barriers, uh, what that kind of showed you 
you about Web3 and then the the avenues that you were able to take if you eventually waited to, to get on those platforms or if you were just like, fuck it, I'm going to go ahead and I'll just release something on OpenSea or Rarible where I can just do my own work. I'd love to kind of hear your journey in that in that regard because I do, I, I empathize with that because it is so true about like the nature of blockchain, but then you have all these curated sites that are almost acting as gatekeepers, which is more of like feeling of like the same of what we have been dealing with in web two and uh, in like the legacy world. Yeah, man. So that's exactly it. So I applied originally to Nifty and Super Rare last December. And I was like, they're going to onboard me. Like they're going to see that I come with some sort of clout. Um, And I waited until the end of January and it just, I never heard back or I just got rejected from Nifty straight up. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to build in this space and build a community and um, get my art out there, I need to just be proactive. So at the time, um, I remember Rarible was like, I was going on Rarible every day and just checking the collections, checking like the highest paid artists that day and the, like who was having the most transactions. And I was like, Rarible's getting a lot of traffic at the moment. Maybe I should just throw something up here and just promote it and see what happens. And that's basically what I did. So my first ever um, NFT was minted on Rarible. And it's uh, called Evil Sick. And it's basically the character Evil that I've been developing for about two years. Just him being sick. And it's like an eight second animation. And uh, I throw it up there and I just, I hit Reddit. I hit um, the Discords and I was just promoting it and basically shilling. And I was like, back in them, I don't know if you remember, like January, February last year, there was so many of these Twitter pages saying, um, post your art below. I'm, I've got X amount of ETH to, to spend, and I was just hitting all of those, all of those. None of it really came to fruition. In the end, uh, I posted it on an Instagram story, and someone that had followed my journey as mixtape artist, um, graphic designer for albums and stuff, saw that there might be provenance in having that, like because I come with a name that's established in the music industry. So he, we made a deal, and he brought it up, and then subsequently he um, basically shielded me to a load of his friends. And that week I made like four sales. And I, by the end of the week, I'd made like just under four ETH or something. So I was buzzing because this was more than I was making a month doing any sort of uh, client work. And I was like, when I, when I could see the power of the artist actually becoming the main, the main figure in everything rather than a work for hire for someone else, I was like, this is a no brainer for me. I, if I don't take this opportunity, it's never going to happen again. This is like a one else in a generation thing. And having that small window of time and being able to like grab it with both hands, I'm extremely blessed and like very happy to have found out about it when I did. And also I've got to say like shout out to my friend uh, Television, who's the person who explained to me originally what NFTs were like last November, or the, sorry, the November before. Yeah, no, that's incredible. It's your journey is kind of uh, is crazy because for someone like you said that's been in the legacy art world you were doing covers already um and and it wasn't like you were like a starving artist you you had business you had clients but what I love about your story, which I, I actually didn't know this, is that you really, you had to go through the steps. It wasn't like the blockchain treated you differently because of your SaaS, which some artists, they do, they do kind of get that treatment because of these curated platforms, but it's almost, it had to feel almost more empowering from building the ground level up and not getting kind of that advantage that others have had because anyone in this room can do exactly what you did, just building organically and naturally. And I, imagine the uh, collectors that you got in that first drop too is just have meant a lot more and have stayed with you along your journey because that's kind of the beauty of like the the web three nature is building like these these true collectors and so i'd love to hear about the because you know you had to drop on rarebull people obviously had to find out about you somewhere because there's a lot of noise even back in that time on rarebull um kind of the connection that you formed with the collectors that uh, picked up your original work, uh, the relationship you've built with them, and then just kind of your journey of, of finding more and more collectors over time organically. Yeah, so from the first drop, it was like, um, I stayed in contact with that uh, collector, but he sort of dropped off the radar since. But when I decided to drop the Devils, like the original handmade 50-piece collection, I pretty much stayed in touch with every uh, collector. Like, we speak on Discord and everything, because it's the time I dropped it, like last May, it was still a lot, it was quite early on for a lot of people in their journey. 
And a lot of people told me like it was their first NFT that they brought was like a devil from the first drop or they, they um, bid on it and then missed out. But they remember it because it just stood out to them so much on the rareable front page. So, yeah, it's, it's important to have strong collector base uh, and collector relationships. But I think when the moment you drop like a big generative like I did, that power sort of you lose a lot of that. You can't curate your collectors and you can't stay in touch with them. And also people that are just um, jumping on OpenSea at the time and seeing what's hot, like what collections are hot. They buy, they a lot of time are buying in something without knowing anything about the uh, the creator, the collection or anything about it, just because they might see some sales stats. And that's hard as an artist um, to try and navigate because uh, it's like you just have no control over who's buying your art when you do it on a larger scale. And I think that's what's, I think a lot of artists that are thinking of doing big generative collections should probably scale it down and just decide what means more to you. Like, is it monetary like value or are you here for a long term? Are you here trying to build something that's sustainable? Because you need a big team to run a lot of these projects, um, I think. And I think a lot of people take that for granted. And I know I've completely just changed your question there. Sorry, no, I actually, I love on my mind. <laughs> No, I love that because it's so important, especially like, I think one thing that people look at is, is fame or notoriety in the space. But there's with that, you know, there's a lot of, att- with attention comes a lot of drawbacks as well. And I think when you're looking at web three and being able to identify your niche and like what will make you happy in, in your life, it doesn't always mean you have, you're, you know, you're a top volume on OpenSea. So like like you said, just the few sales that you made originally were more money than you had ever been able to make freelancing in such a short time. And so you don't necessarily have to be a Bored Ape Yacht Club or you don't have to do those things. You can be just a one-of-one artist and have really uh, close relationships with your collectors. So I think it's important because I don't think that's discussed enough because everyone looks at, you know, uh, there's so much noise in this space that too many people look at you know collecting in the nft space as what's the next flip where do i make money when in reality the people that a lot of times will make the most money in the space are ones that just see potential in the small the small artists to begin with and then they're able to scale or be able to do amazing things with their art but i do i do think that we're kind of in this noise bubble of like this generative and pfp projects and eventually there's going to be uh, like the pendu- pendulum will shift back and dis- and there will be a lot more focus on these one-of-one artists and uh, musicians. And there's just so many different types of talents in the space. But creating a small collector base is something that I love that you bring that up because you've, you've got to kind of live through both of them now and you've been able to see uh, you know, the joys of both. What has been kind of the the greatest joy and drawback of creating the generative series? Obviously, you d- discussed a little bit about uh, people's expectations, but beyond that kind of what is uh, some of the things that you've really loved about it and also any other things that people should think about before they just go creating their own big generative art project? Yeah, I love that question, actually. So the joy of like... So the reason I did the generative is because I'd done 120 odd um, of these handmade evils and so many people were saying they'd been priced out. And it was people that I know had followed my journey from very early on. And I was like, if these people want to be part of the evil gang, like the best way for me to do it is like a lower price point. Everyone gets chance to mint. We can have like a slow burn. Even if it takes years to sell out, we can grow it like um, organically and people can be here for the right reasons. And knowing that people could get in and have subsequently got in for the right price is a nice feeling. But like flip side with that, for some reason, I I still don't even know why it managed to be such a hype drop. It was absolutely insane. I still have PTSD to the day that it dropped because like the website had three DDoS attacks. We had something like 26 million hits on the website in an hour. Um, We had to pause minting three times because just the traffic was so insane. And it's like all of this, was done by me like i hadn't paid for any marketing i literally got here by posting my art and shit posting on twitter so it was like really like overwhelming and then the next day seeing literally jumping in the discord and people saying when when we're having an airdrop like not even 24 hours had passed and i was like what the fuck i've never even once said uh, sorry if i can't swear sorry but um 
I've never no, you can definitely that. swear. It's fine. I, okay, okay, cunt. Okay, no, so uh, <laughs> I never once said it was going to be an airdrop. I've never once said I'm going to do any of these things. But just because other projects had done it, there was like an expectation. And I think I was a bit naive because I didn't realize that people would mint something, buy an NFT that they didn't actually fall in love with or fucking care about. So it was it was just a weird, weird feeling. And I've learned a lot since doing the drop. And I've learned a lot about what I would do differently if I were to do it again. So there's been extreme highs because I'll jump on Twitter and I'll see someone make a tweet about, oh, I finally got an evil, like, I'm so happy. And that, that means the world to me. And then seeing everyone still rocking the, like, the profile pictures and like just jumping into Discord and making dick jokes and stuff. It's like, it's amazing. But it does counterbalance the negative as well. It's, like, it's, it's all about balance. But it, when it's really good, it's really good. And when it's really bad, it's really bad. But it's one of these things, I've done it now, I can't abandon it, I can't step away because my name's attached to it. And I never would because the actual evil character, it's my life work. Like, I don't want to be over the top and say, like, it's the next Walt Disney, I'm the next Walt Disney, he's the next Mickey Mouse. But I always say, Walt Disney was just a guy drawing mice. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, no one knew at the time what it was going to be. Yeah. And I just think the way, that, the way that the character resonates with people, it's got a cult following already in, in under a year. So think of what we can do in the fullness of time, like even four years. Another thing I say is, look at the punk floor now. Punks were given away four years ago. They only mooned like 10 months ago or something. Like I've always said it's a long time hold. I'm here for the long term. And let's fucking go. I love that. Yeah, no, <laughs> let's fucking go. Wag me all the all the things. You know, one thing that I love about what you just said, though, is that the the notion um, and what people got so used to, especially for, you know, basically from May to like August or September, just felt like everyone was like doing airdrops of things. And like it was in my mind, I was like, there's there's just like not sustainable. Like one, you're saturating the market. You're constantly like putting out things that are just going to drop in value. And it's been kind of interesting watching all the different uh, projects and how they've played out because there's some that'll do similar things and they just like they just aren't able to get through the noise and they drop to nothing even though they have people that are passionate and building in the background just like you and so one thing that I love is that you are thinking about the long term and any sort of builder in the space uh, has to constantly try to figure out the balance like you said because that with the expectations versus what is actually possible especially if you don't have a big team or if you are kind of just a someone that's passionate and and loves creating it's uh it is something that when you bring new people into that journey and they don't have the same expectation as what you were putting out, it's just impossible to maintain. And so I just love that. I think that what you said, though, is 100% right. Like in the long run, in three or four years, when you're constantly just uh, constantly showing up, uh, building community, creating, finding the people that really matter, that's when, you know, eventually it kind of finds its way into the hands of the people that really you were looking for to begin with. And so this this uh, intermediary road bumps that we face um, to get to that is just the journey, right? Um, but to be able to put it out there early uh, just means that you're able to be one step closer because you're able to find that true community that's gonna that's going to take the evil uh, identity and character and just blow it up. And I think that it's really cool to think long term about what you've created. Exactly. Yeah. So. I've always been about long-term. I'm, I'm about legacy. So it's funny. I saw the other week someone was comparing Bored Apes to Supreme. And I'm like, Supreme has been here for, what, over 15 years. It started as a skate shop in New York where people used to just go and hang out for the vibe, for the culture. And now look at it. It's like a multi-billion dollar company that's just sold to LVMH. It's like, these things don't happen overnight. This is Web3 where we can rebuild things that have gone fucked up in Web2. And that's what I'm here to do. It's not about just overnight gains and just fucking quick flips like this is I, I i think that evil could be a cultural fucking icon he's a sex he's a sex god already but yeah anyway but i had a joke um i had talking about airdrops i made a joke on twitter months ago and it's like uh what did i say it was airdropping uh something to save a project is like having a kid to save a marriage and it like that's my most liked tweet ever because i think that resonated with a lot of people at the time because we just had like sort of airdrop fatigue everyone was getting airdrop shit that was going to zero so 
I am I'm working on an airdrop, but it, I'd only do it and drop it when the time's right because if you give everything away too much, it just becomes completely valueless. And as an artist, I don't think that's wise for me because if my name and everything I'm attached to has no value, what's the point of fucking airdropping anything? There's, there's so much insight, even though it's comical, that's so true about your perspective on Project Airdrop. Like, it's like, you can't, you you don't save a project or you don't even blow up a project because of Airdrop. Like, there has to be, uh, I think projects for a while were doing that. And now they're like trying to incorporate what they did into there. But you even see it with like the dogs of the Board Ape Yacht Club. It's kind of like, they I don't know what their identity was. Uh, but now they're like trying to work it back in. And it's just funny to kind of go back and look at some of the at these projects because they they were expected to do so much and they tried to deliver. And now they're having to like go back, think about how that plays into the narrative. Uh, one thing I want to go back for a second because we've talked a little bit about evil. Uh, well, I would love to kind of know how it was born, kind of the, the because the, it is such a it's like a, such a meme worthy character, which is why in Web three it's going to definitely blow up. It's just like it's such just like an iconic image that you just can't get out of your head after you see it. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the character and and how it came to be, uh, and, and kind of like your passion behind uh, the journey of him yeah man i appreciate that so much so it's like i i get asked this question all the time and i just end up stumbling over my words because it's so intrinsically me and it's like built from my experiences so it's like i get ptsd and flashbacks of certain moments in my life that sort of caused this character to to live but i mean if we're just talking about the aesthetics um i've never actually mentioned this before but uh, when my mom passed away she, she didn't have a will or anything and like she didn't have many um like, what's the word of it? But, but not valuable. Literally, she didn't die with many things. But one thing that she left me was this, uh, it's like a bronze sculpture of a, a cherub. And I think that's just stuck with me for some reason. Like, I've got it on my shelf now. And it's like, I've never really put two and two together, but I've, I've always been drawn to sculptures, uh, drawn to cherubs. I remember when I was a kid, um, we used to have dinner mats um, at the, like the, the dinner table. And it was the bottom of the... Um, I can't remember the Renaissance, Renaissance painting now, but it's the one where it's the two cherubs sat next to each other looking up. And I just, cherubs always seem to have been like present in my life. I don't know why. Um, and just the thought of like juxtaposing that, like a, a toddler looking cherub with, and adorning him with like a ski mask and like the tattoos and all the trappings of wealth and um, materialism that comes with the culture of hip hop, which I've basically given my life to and have been obsessed with. It just—it felt funny at the time. I thought it looked cool as well. It looked hard, um, and I just—I just thought it was cool. So I started posting these pieces, and like the reaction was—it was really surprising. People really started to like him, and I couldn't understand what it was until I realised everyone sees something different in him. So you called him a meme character, which is what I love. I think he can take the piss out of himself and other people and get away with it because he is like infantile. Whereas if I was to do the same thing. I'd like get backlash, maybe because I'm a real person and he's not or whatever, depending on how you look at it. But other people say that like, um, he's like a naughty boy and other people say that he's like damaged and he's hurt, but he's loving, like everybody sees something different in him. And I think that's that's so unique as a characteristic. There's not many, not, not only just NFT projects, there's not even like characters in the real world where you could apply that sort of same mythology to. And I think what's good as well, because he's grown in the space, people sort of have an idea of what he would do in certain situations. Do you know what I mean? So um, I get tweets all the time like, oh, evil would do this. And it's just mad that people have got an idea about this made up 3D character that's less than 12 months old, really, in the scheme of things. But yes, yeah, I think it's really powerful. And I think that people overlook that sometimes just because they're so used to seeing it on the timeline. Like the fact that what I've managed to build and what the community has managed to like get behind it's i think it's really special and i'm it's, i'm ultimately really proud of it. it it is incredibly special and i don't think there's uh in terms of i mean like pepe you see what happened to him over years and years but it's similar i feel like in terms of what kind of development can come from uh evil because there's just so much uh potential like you said when true art is when anyone can look at it and like you said they just they they have their own perception of what it means to them and uh you know that's a 
exactly what you see you at first it kind of challenges you too because you're like what the fuck am i looking at and then you kind of look at it, you're like okay and you, you got you got to kind of like figure out what it means to yourself because it's uh it's so out there and i just love that about it but one thing another thing an aspect of what i love about this character too is that like you said it really embodies you and your passion and your creativity and you talked about it a little bit about this earlier but in web 2 and the legacy world like you're working for other people you it's not your own creativity you're you're making you're trying to create a reality of what someone else wants you to make and so that's another whole beauty element of of this space and i'm sure something you've been able to really um just grasp and, and hold on to is is the ability to create your own art and the the ability for you to put on the canvas that digital canvas uh what is in your mind and so i'd love for you to talk about um seeing other people resonate with what's really in your soul and, and not having to constantly be producing for others and changing your work because someone else uh is wanting you to to produce something that really isn't from your soul and, and the, this question comes because i have two brothers that are in graphic design and i'm constantly trying to get them more involved in web3 because i just think like this is a place where you can finally unleash your creativity where where when you're uh, doing freelance work you're just not able to do yeah 100 percent. so up until before my nft journey i always considered myself just a graphic designer because i was like say a hired gun i was a tool for someone else's use it wasn't until like i started seeing myself as an artist and allowing myself to consider myself an artist as a legitimate artist as well that things started uh, clicking in place for me so yeah it's it's funny you say like um i have freedom now because I feel like with dropping the generative and being the face of the generative uh, project, I sort of lost a bit of that control. So now I have people saying, well, why is he making art? Because we need X, Y, and Z. Why is the floor like this? Why, why isn't this being, where's the merch sort of stuff? It's like, so it's hard to straddle both lines once you, you go over into that generative line. But before that, when I was doing the Devil stuff and just posting on hand and like every now and then doing something on Super Rare, I think that was a sweet spot as a creative because I was literally doing what the fuck I wanted all the time and it was complete bliss. So yeah, I think if anyone like in, in the room is like thinking of doing a generative as an artist, unless you're only going to push that project, I would I would like sort of completely advise against it because for me, the art is what's important. And my, my whole philosophy when I did my drop was like, if I create this character and I'm selling one of one art pieces that people feel are valuable, like let's say in the 30, 40 ETH realm, but you can then go and grab one of this character from OpenSea for like 0.1 ETH, like you're winning. Do you know what I mean? You hold on to that. Everyone's going to be happy in the fullness of time. So I know I keep going back to this generative, but it's just been, it's sort of weighing on me at the moment because it is such a heavy weight. And I don't think people appreciate, like quite appreciate what it can do uh, to someone who literally has poured their soul into this character and just have it seen as a commodity. I'm actually really glad and, and happy that you keep going back to it, though, because I think that it's something that uh, it's like people's mindset nowadays in the NFT space, they feel like pushed uh, almost, it's almost like the audience um, and the community of the NFT space is like that force uh, that you're kind of dealing with in the legacy world, trying to tell you what you need to do, what you should do. And at the end of the day, uh, it's important, like you said, like, uh, it's something where you're never going to let it let it go or, or just um, give up on it because it's your baby you know it's like something that you created you're never going to let it die but at the same time there's a lot of people that come into the space just like you said like kids there's kids that come into the space creating generative art projects and people expect all of these things and it's like this is why so many people talk about the jockey. Like, if you if you're wanting a big company, a big corporation uh, to kind of be developed out of uh, out of a generative art project, there's very few that are going to really bring that to fruition over the years because it takes incredible amounts of work and a big team. It's not something that's just developed overnight, uh, and it takes a lot of dedication and people with different skill sets. And if you're an artist, you should never feel like you have to 
be doing that. You, you can you can create your one of one art, and I guarantee there will be times, especially with so much wealth being transferred into the NFT space, there's going to be apes and there's going to be uh, gutter cats and cool cats and all these people that have you know been able to flip for fifty to a hundred times their money, and they're going to look for other things in the space, and and part of that is going to go and flow back down to one of one creators and people that they really connect with in in smaller communities, and I think there is power to that. So, I mean, I think it's amazing what you've done and created a generative art project, but I I also am glad that you're talking about this because especially I see some uh, EVOL holders in the audience because they can hear kind of your thought process and uh, starting a project myself recently, like people don't, when you're just an investor and you're a DJ and smoking weed and sitting by your desktop trying to trade JPEGs, uh, it's it's pretty stress-free, but when you're really trying to build and develop those projects that people are are flipping there's there's a lot of weight to that because you really want to you especially if you're the kind of person that is uh is true to what we're looking for you're wanting to you want to uh, make people happy and you want to make them feel fulfilled in, in what you're creating. And so it's definitely, I can, I, I just, uh, I resonate a lot with that because it's, there's a very fine line. And so part of it is when you get into the space, not rushing into feeling like you have to do a certain thing. It's, it's more about what's taking a step back and figuring out where your place is before you really start diving in and getting involved. 1000%. Exactly. And also I think, I think everybody must have, feel the strain. Like the only person that wouldn't feel uh, the strain under dropping any sort of project that's doing numbers is like a psychopath because there's so much emotional weight just from the thought of this many people investing X amount into you. It's like it just holds. Someone trying to break in. It just it just uh, weighs down on you, and it takes either a special person or just an insane person to not get wrapped up in it. I think. Yeah. It- or, or, you know, like social engineering, scammers, people like that, which I mean, that's why I, I would try to warn so many people with all these projects coming down the pipeline, people you are, you're starting to see two the same marketing teams, the same people that have uh, rugged projects, creating new projects under different names. And it's just like, this is it's so dangerous. Instead, find someone like Kid 8, who just is really passionate about his art and isn't going anywhere and support them. And I think that's part of the why I love this show is just like spotlight and bringing attention to people that have shown because I've been in the space for a while. So I'm able to watch and I just constantly want to bring people on the show uh, and expose people to to the beauty of this space because Web3, uh, there's just another thing that I'm not sure if you if you uh, th- think about, but as the space gets bigger and more noisy, it's really um, it becomes like these micro communities. You kind of get stuck in them, like there's like echo chambers, and you're not really sure like what's going on in the whole space because as it gets bigger, it's like this entire world that's evolving in this like metaverse space, and it's impossible to keep a pulse on everything going on. So, uh, what do you do? Like, uh, obviously, you're constantly building, but what do you do for your own mental health and like for your own sanity to take care of yourself because i think that's important you probably couldn't have worse than you couldn't have asked the worst person that question um i'm really bad at looking after my mental health so i sort of just forget everything like hunker down don't worry about that and then it would just blow up and then i'll like (laughs) do what i had to do last month and just take a couple of weeks off but yeah i i'm trying to be more present and trying to just be out in the real world a bit more because it's so easy to just sit in front of your screens all day long and just get wrapped up in this nft bubble where if you go outside i don't know about you but like i could ask 100 people and 99 of them would never even heard of an nft at this point so we're in this little like um it's like we're on a fucking pond or something we're all living on these little lily pads and we can't escape because for whatever reason it's just a fucking weird thing but um it is weird especially yeah, like, when you think about all these other people they're going to eventually come in the space so so if if it seems like noisy now like can you imagine when five ten more million people come into the space like it's that's something i don't think people realize is uh when you feel like you need a pulse on everything in this space but we've lived in a world where there's thousands there's millions of little communities throughout the world and you don't know what the fuck everyone's doing uh in their own little micro community 
communities or, you know, what's going on on the other side. But because of like the borderless nature of this ecosystem and this new world that we're creating, everyone wants to know what's going on with everything else. And so I do, I like having a pulse on what's going on around the metaverse, like in different projects. But at the same time, like I really encourage people, like find your home base, like find where you really feel like home because that's going to be somewhere you're able to live and you're never going to be able to know what's going on everywhere in the space. Like it's going to just keep growing and growing. Like we're just at the beginning. I agree. I think that's what's um, funny about like the evil gang, because we're all sort of, um, if, I think if you like the character and you like the sensibility, we joke and it's funny. It's about finding your own tribe and it, you can't expect everyone to get on with the same people and understand the same, um, just get along on the same level. And I think that's what's good about the evil project because it's sort of a home for people that don't belong anywhere else to a certain extent. And then from there, they might find other projects that they, they get along with. But yeah, it's, we're so early to the point where everyone else that does come in, they're the ones that are going to get wrecked, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, no, true that. I was, I was joking. I was no, joking. <laughs> no, no, because you're right, though, because there's some projects that will get wrecked because they're not focused on that long-term thinking. You know, they're, they're more focused on the hype and the FOMO and cashing in, and they're not really there for the community. And it's funny, like, going around to different discords, you can tell even just a couple hundred people in a discord, like, having... 10,000, 100,000 people in a Discord means nothing. If anything, that means you just ne- are never heard, never get to form genuine relationships. Now, we're more bullish on like these l- smaller communities of people that are really able to uh, kind of develop relationships, get to know people, find people they trust in the space, because that's what we need more of. We need more of that. It doesn't matter if you're uh, part of this mac- mass macro community, uh, like this huge community of people, if you're not able to figure out within it where you're kind of clan is like you said and so i love that it sounds like you think about that when kind of structuring your discord structuring places where people can get to know uh each other it's obviously clear with the the commitment that you know the the evil gang has because there's so many people that are repping it and and just have a lot of pride in it so i think that speaks to the community aspect Uh, i'd love for you to touch on that because you obviously you're an artist but now because of the the generative project you've almost become a little bit of a community manager. So what have you learned about the aspect of kind of uh, building community and, and growing and helping people kind of connect with each other? So I think I've been really lucky in the fact that because um, I, I led with the Devils project, it was a lot smaller. Um, the, the Discord was set up like last May or something. And it just, it was a slow burn. And like the first drop, um, I would say, it's got to be something like at least 60% of the people that brought one of the first ones from the 50 are, were artists and creators themselves. So it, it was sort of like a creative hub uh, for people that were just getting into NFTs or just like entering the space. And it's like there was such a sick community of people just turning up and posting art and like supporting each other. And then we were like, onboarding each other onto Hen and like helping each other buy drops. And, well, not helping each other, but like supporting each other's artwork because the price point was... Um, so much more attractive than Ethereum. And from there, um, when I announced that I'd be doing the generative, all the the uh, Devils collectors got whitelisted and blah, blah, blah. And that's sort of where I saw a change in it because it, it sort of then became, as soon as you mentioned whitelist, especially back then when it was like gas, gas wars, it just became a, a bit of a different space. So trying to straddle the line between the creative hub um, of like-minded people and people that are here for quick flips, sort of, it took a while to... Um, navigate and sort of settle down there was like a bit of a spike of weird weird energy in there but it's it's better now and like from there some of the guys that have um that were collectors on the first drop like shout out to canna um they've then gone on to do their own projects and running their own discords and all that and it's like it's so special to know that like they we all sort of started in the same place and now we're like a family tree we're all branching out doing our own thing and i don't i can't think of many other collections um, and spaces that have done that. I mean, even like shout out to Shaka and the Hoppers. He sold his first pieces in the, in the Devils Discord. We were like, I remember the night, like we were all sat around Hen um, minting his first four editions of this thing he'd done. And it's like um, so many people have come and gone, but I do, I just hope that they all sort of hold evil in their heart because we're all, we're sort of all in it together because everyone that's come through that Discord sort of an anti hero themselves, they're, they're not really accepted by the mainstream. They're trying to do something different from what everyone else is doing. And I think that's the power of 
what we we are what we have built and what we are building i actually i really admire that i think that's amazing i think that i mean even though it may not have been by design it ended up working uh in your favor with how you released and created your discord early enough to kind of get that small base uh because i think that is strategically uh one of the best ways to build discord kind of find your people that really value trust what you're doing and support you and then grow from there because then once you have a, a bigger group of people coming in you have these people that you trust that uh, that already respect you that you know that you can um go to if you need anything or you know people that you just uh trust with anything and, and when you when you launch a big project uh from the ground up and you're you know when people talk about hiring their mods or paying people for this it's like wow that's uh it's crazy to me because one like any any really organic growth doesn't shouldn't involve people that need to get paid like it, it's just be friends like really growing uh and so I think that is really important and I love kind of how how you chatted about that because I think uh, the communities that really are going to shine through years from now are going to be the ones that really had organic growth that were friends all building together supporting each other uh, and, and that was kind of the idea behind the Crazy Carl Collective too is just like a collective of people that I've gotten to know through doing this show for months and months uh, and kind of having a place where we can all get to know each other hang out and, and it's funny because like you said there's been several people that that like uh david horvath was one that was coming to my show often now he's working and doing a uh, like a project with nouns and it's like it's so cool to see and vinnie hager hager was another one that in the early days of my show he was coming to quite a few then he launched his own project but it's almost like when when you're able to create a community where people want to come and hang out with you and and learn about the web3 space and then they go off and do their own thing and they get too busy it's just crazy to see like that success they have because you're like hell yeah like like they they were they're like branching out and you're able to celebrate that success and that's something that i love to hear because uh if you don't have that mentality or if you get upset when they leave it's like you really didn't breed uh, a culture of like of what you really wanted to build which is helping other people and helping people grow and so i love hearing that you've already seen that success in your discord and in your community yeah, it's, it's rewarding and special because it's, um, as like we've gone back to me being a freelancer, I've had so many of my ideas and things like shut down and never really felt nurtured by clients. So just knowing that even if it's just, I've just planted a seed in someone's head and it's just developed from there, it's it's a really special feeling as somebody who's like pro artist, pro creator. So yeah. I'm yeah. very proud of that. It's it's awesome, and and it goes to show even through you know you may be a shit poster and and, and uh, just talk shit a lot, but at the same time, like we're all human, and you you can feel that uh, sense of you know uh, humility but also just like caring and empathy that you truly have which is amazing and i think important to the growth that you're going to continue to see in your project uh we're going to go to questions from the audience here in a minute if you're in the audience and you have a question for community quarter go ahead and hit that request button i'm going to bring some people up here in just a minute there's also a pinned uh, tweet at the top if you can't come up but you have a question you can post it there i'm going to ask a couple more questions while we get some people hitting that request button to come up uh, but uh, one thing that I'm curious about is we've already talked a, a lot about, you know, advice that you give to new people in the space. Um, what When it comes to, obviously, this is something that you've talked a lot about with the weight of building your own project. But if there's someone in the space that's new, that's listening to the show, what's the best piece of advice you give to kind of like your normie friends, people that you're trying to onboard about how to get started, what to look for and, and where to get involved in web three do you know what at this point i don't feel i've got any normie friends so i don't even know how to answer that like to be fair if someone that was had no idea of crypto or nft um art or collections at this point i probably wouldn't even tell them about it because it'd be nice to talk to someone about something other than nfts and also just the pressure if you told them to buy something and it went to zero i don't think it's worth it so yeah i would I'd probably just tell a normie to 
carry on doing what doing. <laughs> carry on you'll they'll eventually find their way here one day and it's like i do agree with that that there's no way if someone's like asking me how to get started it's like get involved like just find a community that you like uh that you vibe with because like you said it's a really important aspect if you have a bunch of people in your community that aren't into crude humor and all that stuff then it doesn't work but you just find like-minded people because that's where that's where you're gonna love to be too and and you don't want to hate your own discord you don't want to hate going into that space so it's just about like cultivating and creating communities that you truly enjoy because then you get to do all the things that you love in the space which is like the true beauty of web3 and even though that seems like you had to go through some stress points to get there it's exciting to hear that it's finally getting back on track and being able to kind of see so many people uh finding you just because they love the art and they vibe with your the, the culture that you've said in your discord so i mean i'm bullish on you and and everything you're building is there anything you want to share uh before we go to questions about what's coming down the pipeline anything you've got going on or drops coming down the pipeline um that that you would like to share out perfect segue yeah so i just released the quarter one quarter two slash quarter three um evil roadmap today so my twitter it's like a video of him driving it's called the anti-roadmap but that basically outlines the things and the, the points we're going to hit in the not too distant future um more info jump in the discord uh, and ask questions i'm always there uh, as far as drops i'm a collaborative artist with uh, carson on her drop on thursday i'm sure she'll tell you more if she gets on stage um i've got a nifty lined up but it'll be for just for jeevil holders um and that will be early april and other than that as far as like art and stuff so i wanted i do want to drop uh, so i might as well talk on this actually fuck it i want to drop um a one of one on super red because i haven't actually dropped any one of one artwork since september but apparently uh, a couple of the collectors uh, uh, worried that i'm i'm too cash grabby at the moment so i feel like i can't even mint any of the art i'm creating in fear of um upsetting a couple of people so that's another topic for another day i'm sure but yeah as far as drops um i'll be doing airdrops for the jeevil holders in some shape or form the toys coming out as well. I've had the uh, the molds for that mass produced, but that's coming out. I'm doing a comic. There will be an airdrop for Devil's Holders, as I've said. Um, and just yeah, just check the check the roadmap. Any questions, ask away. I'm an open book. And then um, yeah, 27 times on Thursday for Carson Daly. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited for that drop in just uh, everything. I, I looked at that roadmap. I thought it was perfect timing that we ended up having the show right when you released that because it's uh, really cool. If you didn't, if you're not following Kid A, go do that and then go look at his uh, most recent tweets because it's one of his top tweets that he just put out about the roadmap that, that the things that they're working on. Uh, so you can go check that out. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and see if you have any questions. It's your turn uh, to come up on stage. Get your catnip and questions ready. It's time for you to take the stage for another segment of Community Corner. All right, and we've got Spiegs up here. What's going on? Also an entrepreneur, brand strategist. It's good to have you on stage. I don't know if I've ever had you on stage before. Yo, what's up? So good to be here. Such a good chat. As usual, a crazy call. It's always about real community building and what matters in this space. Um, and uh, Kid 8, big fan. I'm uh, happy to be up here and ask a question. I, I pinned the question in the tweets, but if I have a chance to ask it live, um, I'll go for it. You know, based on where the conversation was and and um, how the space, you know, quickly turned into, there's unfortunately so much cash grabby noise and, and especially around the PFP um, stuff. But I'm curious to where you see the future with um, with art um, within this space, within the NFT space evolving to even like, you know, a more short term future of like within a year from now, no one would have like predicted to what, you know, what it is now and how it became, it exploded. Um, and it, be, it, it can be super overwhelming and, and there's so much noise and, and junk, unfortunately. And that's why I just love communities like the Crazy Carl, Carl Collective or artists like you, Kid 8, that are actual artists in this space. Um, so I'm curious your thoughts to where you think things can evolve to um, in the near future with this. Yeah, man, thank you for that. I appreciate it. So this is the thing that I'm battling with myself because it, when I joined um, last year, we were seeing like ETH sales of one of ones for like 50, 60, 70, 100 and something ETH. And it's like, I knew at the time that I was unsustainable. We we're in a bit of a bubble. 
And I don't know if the, the, the bubble has definitely burst, but I don't know if we found like a, a settling point yet. I, I, I'm quite nervous to even mint art because my, like I say, my last mint was in September and it did quite well. And I just feel like if I don't uh, supersede that or do better than that, it's, does that my value, does my value as an artist then um, look like it's on the decline? So it's, it's a weird place. I think if you're getting into one of one art or just addition to art now, unless you're like an OG, like an ex coffee or something like, it's it's a hard day. It's a hard day because I knew artists, artists last year that were making like loads of sales. They had um, loads of collectors, and they 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 can't they just can't give their art away now. So it's it's a really weird time and hard time to navigate. And I'm myself wondering what's next. I think you just got to have conviction and sort of only mint work that you know you don't mind looking at or people looking at in hundreds of years, despite what it might even sell for. I mean, there's a lot of NFTs that are just getting minted because we're in the NFT bubble. But it's just as a way of an artist looking at the future and knowing that it's gonna, it's gonna last longer than you, I think. So, so yeah, it's, it's a weird one. I'm sorry I can't be more specific, but it's, um, it's so hard because it's something that I'm struggling with every day. I, every day I have the same question about it. So I think, yeah, it, I think that's a thoughts? good answer though, because you're, one thing when you're an artist, is like even if it's it shouldn't be about the money like it should be about the creativity what you're putting on the blockchain because like you said it's going to be something like this preserves like that's one thing people forget about the blockchain like this is uh, happening in our lifetime but in thousands of years from now they're going to be able it's not like they're going to have the the like ancient Egypt where you're trying to understand what calligraphy on on the wall is like you're literally going to have this preserved in time uh, and it's such a beautiful thing but I think that's important to remember is that this this be is beyond our life so whatever you do man whatever story you tell on the blockchain is something that it, it more than the money is is uh the value of what you're putting out there and the story that you're telling and i think that's a beautiful answer next we got a, a fellow evol on stage acid tech what's going on man thanks for coming up yo can you hear me I'm good now. Yeah, we can hear Yo, you. Yo, what's dirty, man? Congratulations. You finally dropped that shit. They, Thank you, sir. Got... How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing great, homie. I'm doing great. I, I just got one question. And I was just... I'm really excited about the roadmap. But I didn't see any information about, like, the the Candice collaboration. So I was wondering... <laughs> you... No, yeah, no go more go info say it. about it. Say it. Go on, go on, say it. <laughs> The Candice collaboration, man. Yeah, who's, who's yeah. Candice? Candice. Yeah, go on, say it. <laughs> Candice nuts. <laughs> Candice <laughs> nuts. Right, let's get him gone. Let's get him gone. Off the stage. <laughs> Fuck's sake. No, <laughs> that shows the kind of community you have. The fucking uh, in the the fact that it's like you got someone up here and you just like laughing, having fun uh, with them. I love that. I think that just shows the kind of culture that you've created. Uh, let's go to Jacob. What's going on, Jacob? Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, I just had a quick question. So just to give you, I guess, a little bit of background, I, I work, uh, you know, I, I kind of work a normal job. I work for a bank. Um, so, you know, obviously there's some crypto talk, not a ton. Banks haven't really adopted to that level. But um, I, I think that, you know, my kind of run in NFTs have, have been, you know, a little lucky, but also a little bit unlucky. Um, I feel as if I haven't really had a lot of the time to put in on the research side because, you know, I, I'm working during the day. I, I drive quite a bit for work and um, and it, it actually feels like a lot of the time that, that mints happen is during a, a normal work day. Um, and, and now at this point, I've been a part of three separate projects that have been 100% abandoned. Um, so, you know, that's where I say that it's, you know, I've gotten a little bit unlucky, um, in the space. How, how do you feel, you know, that you can kind of take a step back and find those, those projects that do have, you know, not, not only enough community behind them, but, but enough kind of development power that are, they're going to stick around. Um, and, and, you know, even, even potentially, you know, it doesn't have to be blue, blue chip NFTs, you know, quote unquote blue chip NFTs, but, um, you know, just ones that the project isn't going to just go under, you know, that'll, that'll kind of stick around for a while. 
do you, I mean, I'll have a go at answering that. I'm notoriously shit at buying other people's projects because, like you say, I haven't got the time to do the um, the research either. But I think if you're going to buy something that you don't mind looking at your wallet and seeing, even if it does go to zero, like there's things that I've, so I brought fucking super yetis and whatever the fuck else because everyone said this is the project you want to get on get in on but behind every everyone saying this is what you want to get in on there's someone pumping their bags and there's so many projects that are un, undervalued like my own um, like the squabs like even hoppers like there's so many projects that are run by people that are putting their all into it that haven't got the recognition that some of these other ones have and if you see if you're seeing projects that have got crazy high floors within hours of minting it's all bollocks in my opinion like there's so much going on behind closed doors like influencer chats and fucking people buying their own there's so much just bullshit the whole the whole reason i didn't like the, the reason i got out of web 2 and got into web 3 was to avoid all this and it seems like it's oversaturated already so i mean i'm probably the worst person to ask the question i, 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 I love it no i love that answer actually i'm gonna kind of echo what you said because i think it's 100 percent right i think that uh, I've even put out a couple of tweets about it recently about how right now it seems very much like in the last few months is like the web two is is just evolving onto the blockchain because it's a lot of the same bullshit that we've seen and that we have to as a community you have to find the communities that really you uh, you truly understand and want to be a part of because just people trying to follow trends just ends up with meaning people are losing money and so the same people that are are screaming wag me are some of the ones that are making it hard for everyone one to make it because there's putting so much noise into the space that isn't needed. But I think what you said and something that I started doing because I was uh, similarly had a lot of unsuccessful goes at mints and trying to trying to find gems before everyone else. Uh, I, I actually started waiting and watching before I bought anything. I would I would go and look at communities. Uh, I, I would never I would never get that steal. Uh, uh, I would usually buy something two to three times what the mint price was. But by the time that it was at that point, I would have been watching. I, I usually would wait until the first uh, kind of correction and the market price would go down. But I just feel like it's a much better way than hoping and minting and praying that this community evolves is actually like have some background research know that it's actually there like you can go and see the community that kid eights built you can actually go and look at you know the provenance of it you can go look at the provenance of all of the the communities that are the strongest in the blockchain and web3 space now and so what i what i think is really important is finding those communities and uh and then and then trying to get involved in those because it's it's uh the the easiest way to lose money in the space is chasing mints a hundred percent and I, even as, as like someone that's invested for 12 years, I, I can't do it. So I don't know how, you know, some 20 year old is able to say that they're able to change their life because they're flipping JPEGs. Half the time, the people that flip also flip the best blue chip projects that end up going for hundreds of ETH, like the Bored Apes and lots of people who flip them when they were basically nothing. Uh, and they still have hundreds of Yetis in their wallets because they couldn't flip that shit. So, so, you know, look for the real communities and then get in them because uh, that's the best way to go about it. I think uh, I think we've got someone else on stage. Hopefully, not another um, spammer, but could be Carson Daly. Is that right? Yes. Hi, that's me. Um, I have my own space in one minute, but I just wanted to ask what you were going to get me for my birthday. I'm undecided at the moment. Can we have this chat another time? <laughs> Okay, well, if anybody here has any ideas, um, please share them. And now I have to go. But All right, Carson, Carl, thanks Carl, for coming. You can come on Carson Daily Show anytime. I will. I have and... been in the audience before. I don't know if you've seen me because you have. Uh, you've gotten really famous since I first met you. <laughs> I don't know about that, but you'll definitely be a guest as soon as I get this fucking drop out the door. But yeah, good luck on your drop. We'll have to talk a little bit about that sometime soon yeah. too. Okay, I'm that excited was a great for show. you. All right, okay, let him know if you have any good ideas for my birthday. Bye. See you later. She came just a shameless shill at the end of the show. Someone come up talking about themselves. And then she leaves. Is it is it a Twitter Spaces if we don't get shielded? <laughs> Especially Carson. Carson of all people uh, is going to come up and chill. It's not even, but that's okay. We love Carson. Uh, she's good people, so we'll let it slide this time. 
thank you so much, man, for coming on the show. This has been a lot of fun, and I appreciate you. I know you're a busy guy, and uh, obviously, um, the show schedule that I usually have is not uh, wasn't possible um, because you're on the other side of the world. So I appreciate uh, us being able to find the time to still make this happen. Thank you. Thanks again. No, man. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, thanks for moving the time for me. It's a shame you didn't record this because this could have gone platinum. It is. It is being recorded, man. It's going to go up on the podcast. We got Apple and Spotify. We're not just doing uh, Twitter Spaces recordings. That's bullshit. We're going to go. We're making there this we go, official. Yeah. So. BDE. Yeah. BDE, exactly. Go. So, so <laughs> if you if you missed any part of the interview, this will be recorded and we'll get it up on the on the podcast. You can go follow uh, the Crazy About Crypto show, um, and I've got all of the links to Apple and Spotify in the link tree on our bio. So if you missed any part of it, make sure to go check it out because this has been uh, really insightful, especially if you're new to the space and thinking, I really loved our conversation, Kid Aid, about specifically about um, trying to figure out and not feel pressured into what you create. Because I think that's an important message that especially creators in the space kind of get bogged down and try to please everyone when they first get in. And so I loved that. And I think that's, uh, that's really insightful um, because it's, it's something that we need to remember. All right, I want to give a huge shout-out of gratitude um, to Kid8 for coming on the show to chat about his journey so far in the Web3 space. The Crazy About Crypto show does not accept paid advertisements or paid requests to come on the show. The quality of guests are, and educational content provided is essential. I also want to shout-out the Crazy Carl Collective. Crazy Carl is not my real name. I'm just one voice in the Crazy Carl Collective. We're an entity in the Web3 space working to build and grow together. Many guests of the show are Crazy Carl. I'll also invite Kid 8 to be a crazy Carl uh, and Mint when the next Mint comes around, as well as many people in the audience are Carls as well. If you're not in the collective, I encourage you to follow us and then watch us and then possibly one day even join us. There's a special PO app for today's show you can claim by heading over to the PO app app and putting in the code all lowercase Kid 8 spelled out and then 216. Once again, that's Kid 8 216 all lowercase and all one word. Thank you so much for joining us today and continuing to learn about the innovation that Web3 unlocks for us all. This has been another production of Guttercat Studios. All conversations with Crazy Carl are for educational purposes only. You should never take financial advice from a cat or anybody really, especially financial advisors. Take control of your own financial future and do your own research always. That's all for now. Until next time, we'll see you in the metaverse.